This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Our Matrix server is about as free as Internet chat can be. Join the existing rooms or create your own at chat.freetalklive.com. that you control and 603-283-6160 is the phone number that's 603-283-6160 right now we have bear arms on the line and he is telling us about his new book that he wrote about lawful tax avoidance and a lot of people hear that and they go oh no i don't want to be involved in that such as mark i think (laughs) <laughs> well, hold on, I didn't unmute you. Oh, wait, I did. And um, I find it really interesting. I went to Bear Arms, um, what would you call it, presentation and keen about it, and I found it really enlightening. He talked about how he personally used these things, and we're going to talk to him about his new books, and anybody who has any questions about it can call in, which we already do have someone on the line for that. But first... I wanted to, to tell you guys about ForkFest. Free Talk Live is brought to you by ForkFest. Happening June 13th through the 16th at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire, ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. ForkFest is decentralized, so there is no ticket cost and no one is in charge. For more information and to connect with other attendees, you can visit the unofficial website, ForkFest.Party. That's ForkFest.Party. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Jay. And Mark Edge. And bringing bare arms back, we did have yeah. someone else on the phones who wanted to ask you a question. So, Peter in Virginia. Oh, I guess I just dropped bare on accident. <laughs> I didn't know how to do both. But, Peter, just go ahead and ask your question and we'll get bare back. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Sorry about any inconvenience that uh, I may have caused That's with dropping the totally uh, on me. Guest. Just, just um, maybe, maybe not so much a question on on Bear, but but more so just some personal feedback from just listening to, um, you know, to him for the past like fifty minutes or so. Um, and you know, I, I just want to preface by saying I'm very sympathetic with with his with his premise, <laughs> you know, it's pretty funny how uh, every month, if you get a, a salary every month or every two weeks, you, uh, you know, you see your, your paycheck and, and you see uh, how much goes to the feds. And then the feds have guts to say every year coming up here shortly, right. That, uh, Hey, you made X amount of money. Uh, you know, forget about the fact that we took some money out of that, right. Your paycheck every month or every two weeks throughout the year, just forget about it. You made X amount pay us a lump sum and that's your income tax if you have to pay which you know i it's, it's pretty not it's nonsense i you know it's, it's living in some sort of uh despotic system that's that's my view but um unfortunately i am also familiar with people like Irwin Schiff 
Um, I, I do, I'm a fan of his of his son's work, uh, but um, just just my my own two cents here. Um, so I, I I'm not an accountant or anything. I studied econ in school um, in George Mason, which is probably the only place you can get free market slash Austrian uh, stuff in in the U.S. Um, that I'm aware of. But even people like like uh, Walter Williams, one of my professors before he passed away, he, you know, he would he would tell us he would lecture us about the un, you know un, unconstitutionality of the income tax, and he would you know he would always preface by saying, look, you know, this is just um, me giving you the history of the income tax. It's not me telling you don't pay it, right? And if you listen to uh, other scholars that actually study this, uh, person that comes to mind is. Uh, Tom DiLorenzo uh, at Mises uh, Institute. He's done years of, of work uh, around this this topic, the the progressive era, you know, the the income tax, and and he, he always does that that preface, right? He, uh, that he's not suggesting the audience not pay the income tax, rather he's just explaining how it came about and how uh, how how pretty you know. Uh, retarded the whole the whole thing is, <laughs> but um, my 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 recommendation to your audience, which was I think um, which was elaborated by one of the uh, the hosts here, was um, don't don't take the chance, right? Don't don't take the chance and uh, and and not pay the income tax because I, I guarantee you the cost of doing so outweighs the cost of giving up a portion of your income. Right. What are the costs of not doing so? So when you you're weighing this out, um, you know, and I exactly. I tend to agree with you. I would rather pay twenty thousand dollars the United States government than to spend um, you know a year in prison. As a matter of fact, I I go so far as to double that number. I might even triple that number, um, depending on you know what the the circumstances. It's it's the sodomy that bothers me the most. Um, but prison. <laughs> Sure. Oh, okay. I'm told that that's what happens. Well, didn't you spend some time there already? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no sodomy that time. Um, so let's let's get um let me, let me just kind of condense this to a question for or gotcha. at least a comment for our um host or not host but um caller bear. So basically, you're you're saying you may agree with him, well, but um yeah. you would wouldn't want people to to risk it, correct? Yeah, exactly. I guess like a, a good question. I guess if, if that's uh, that's what need, is, is needed is you know, what what incentive to uh, to regular people have, hmm. right? Let's not assume the the audience of the show. I, my, my assumption is the audience here is a lot smarter than you know my next door neighbor uh, hmm. who may be, who may be a moron, right? So what what incentive does this moron have? Okay, so. Bear arm, uh, sorry, I hung up on you. I didn't mean to do that. But bear arms, did you hear the question? I believe I believe we're trying to establish a risk reward benefit sort of thing. Is that is that basically what we're you're asking about? Yeah, and he said basically okay. what is like the average person's incentive to do this versus right. what okay. could happen to them. Well, I'll tell you what it is. The average person works about forty years and pays if if they pay federal income tax anywhere from. 20 to maybe 30 percent on average so if you're t- if you're paying like 25 percent of your labor uh into the federal income tax and you work 40 years then by definition you're enslaved for 10 correct um i i personally refuse to do that 
I refuse to go on the knee. You know, uh, I, and I'm going to fight it, and I'm gonna, and I've been winning so far for seven years, and plus, and, and and the thing is, if everybody knew what I understand, and everybody did what I do, and again, not just knowing the law, knowing how to uh, to apply the law on paper, but also in what we call the operation of law, which I was gonna, uh, was, I wanted to uh, touch on as well. Um, so the audience can read read about it um, in detail and study it for themselves. But that that's basically the cost and and the uh, the the cost of not having this knowledge is twenty five percent of your your life's labor. That's too high of a price for me to pay personally. I wouldn't even give them five percent, you know. Um, and that's because I, I've I've done I've done almost fifteen years service, actual service, right, government service. Uh, in the military, and I understand that um, that I'm just not willing to let my money go to causes which I don't support, and in an amount that exceeds uh, 10% for that matter, and, and it's like 25% of your entire life. Are you kidding me? No. Hell no. Right? That's my opinion. That's my, that's my feeling on this. Now, go, let's go back to that question that Mark had before the last um, break, which was, which was like something along the lines of how he decided to get off the jurisdiction of the United States, and therefore he is no longer subject to the tax. Well, I, I'm sorry, but that is actually not true, and I'll tell you why. Because in my experience, when I was in Iraq, there were a lot of contractors, and not all the contractors were American. And when they got paid uh, by uh, KBR, you know, Kellogg Brown and Root, or whatever it is. Um, they had taxes taken out of their paychecks just like Americans. They had uh, they had to pay a portion of their tax to the IRS. They had to file IRS paperwork. In fact, there were there were even like IRS. Um, it was even an IRS office that I remember on base, I believe. And the point is, it's not who you are or who or where you go in this world. What it is, is what you do and whose property you receive or whose property rights you exercise. Well, I, I, you, as, if, if we're going to talk about um, income tax specifically, I want to talk about um, the foreign income exclusion. And thank you for the uh, question, Peter, by the way. Yeah, thank you, Peter. Um, and that is what that means is, A, you must pay FICA. Now, FICA is your Medicare and Social Security. That's not income tax. It's something different than income tax, but it looks like income tax because it's taken it out is, of your yeah yeah it's taken out it's of your a, paycheck. It's a portion of your it's a portion of your your presumed income. It's right. It's a portion of your presumed income in so much as it comes off of the form you fill out. And the United States government does say that you are responsible for filling out a form for them. There's no doubt about that. And I think that's a real problem. I think it's a violation of the 13th Amendment, um, which is, you know, uh, involuntary servitude. Why should I have to fill out your paperwork? But that's a different point than um, the 16th Amendment. But the the last thing, and this is very important, is I think it's about $108,000, which is more than well over 50% of Americans. Um, in order to, if you're, you know, a for, if you're outside the United States for 330 days a year, or you um, are... Uh, 
you, you know, that uh, you're, you're a resident of another country or whatever the situation is, then you um, don't have to pay, uh, you know, about on your first $108,000, you don't have to pay federal income tax. Now, yeah. federal income tax is a specific number. And personally, I have not paid it very much, but I certainly have paid FICA and uh, small business tax. Small, uh, I think a small business tax or something like that. Self-employment tax. That's that's what it's called. And okay. you know these kind of things. So go ahead. So so you had it. You had mentioned that this is a violation of the Thirteenth Amendment, which is no no slavery or involuntary servitude. Correct. Right. Now I'll tell you why it's not. I'll tell you why you actually volunteered into it, and I'll tell you who's bearing false witness against you. Again, it's a person who you work for who is actually not government, who fills out these forms, which, by the way, are called information forms. And if you have any uh, familiarity with But, Bear, law, I haven't worked for um, – I've been self-employed for but, many, many years, um, right, 20, so, I guess. So when you fill out your form – and, by the way, you do claim self-employment. Is that correct? I have claimed self-employment tax in the past, yeah. All right. So, I hate it, so you, but I do it because it's, so it's just a bad deal. Social Security is a bad deal. It's a much better idea to take the money yeah. that you paid into Social Security, pop it in a, oh, a, you know, a, an index hold matching on. fund, and go from Before, there. Yeah. Be, but, but hold on. Before you bear false witness against yourself, do you know what the, mean, what the meaning of the term uh, net earnings from self-employment means? Well, if I mean, you don't, if, it if you, sounds you like well, the earnings that you made from self-employment <laughs> netted down. It does. It, it does sound like that. But let me tell you what it really means. Okay, you could read that at, at section fourteen zero two. It means the gross income derived from any trade or business. Now, keep in mind what that means. A trade or business is then defined at section seven seven zero one as the performance of the functions of a public office. So the moment you claim self-employment is the moment IRS knows that you've just volunteered into the system by failing to read the law that you wrote yourself by deleg- through the delegation of your representatives. Do you see and what, what I'm You saying? brought up one thing that, that caught my attention there. Um, is, is there not a law that specifically says you must fill out one of their, you know, 1040 forms or some kind of IRS paperwork every year is, as a U.S. There citizen? Is, there is no law. And I'll tell you why there is no law. Because the law is not in words. It's in operation. It's called the operation of law. So let me ask you this. If you wrote down that you're self-employed and that you have net earnings from self-employment, why do you expect them to apply that definition to anything else than what you wrote down and testified to. Because when you wrote that down, you testified to the performance of the functions of a public office. That's something you said on your own. That's not something someone else compelled you to do. Do you see what I'm saying? And if you sure, if you I mean it's it, it's it's full on entrapment, right? They they give you a piece of paper. No, they say here, no, fill this not. piece of paper out, and if you do it wrong, prison pound you. Didn't hear anything. What's well, this? look again. When you when you succumb to coercion and browbeating and that kind of thing, uh, then and you give up your rights uh, without actually a fight, then then they have you. All right. On the other hand. 
if you say to them, listen, I didn't perform the functions of a public office, therefore I did not perform or have a trade or business. And if I didn't have a trade or business, I did not receive gross income derived from a trade or business, which means I had no net income from self-employment as defined in Section 1402. Therefore, none of this stuff applies to me. Well, I, I feel like I can't um, count on a jury of my peers to... You're not going to get a jury. I can guarantee you that. You're not going to get a jury if you take care of this administratively. Um, now, the, the, thing, the thing that bothers me most is, again, syntactic ambiguity and the fact that people do not read the law and find out the words they are using. They are using common words... For you to deceive yourself, for you to entrap yourself. Now, once you know those common words and you step away from them, then you don't have to worry about it. Uh, you know what Jesus told Peter? Uh, Peter asked him, "Who goes to heaven?" Right? And you know what Jesus said? He said, "He said only those who are as innocent as children can attain the kingdom of God." And what that means is that you have to use words that you don't know, that you didn't know before you were like an eight-year-old. For example, my mom goes to work to make a living. Okay, that's different from what IRS uh, technical words would mean. My mom receives remuneration for services as an employee for her employer. Those are technical terms. Do you understand? When you use technical terms... And when you fail to understand that those technical terms sound like ordinary words that you use in day-to-day life, then you have volunteered into their system. It is not a Fifth Amendment violation for you to, to, to bear witness against yourself and sign a tax return. It is not a Thirteenth Amendment violation uh, against uh, uh, involuntary servitude. It is because you have failed your own duty to know the meaning of the words. And remember, you're the one that created those documents. I mean, well, that's sounds, not using, you know, English like a like like a child. We we didn't create the documents. See, this is the the part that gets me a little irritated with it. It's like Jay Noon in the break was saying, well, the thing about it is the constitution gives them the authority over persons and you're you're not you're basically no, that's not claiming what I said. well the constitution okay. doesn't but, well, give Ken, them any authority. Let me finish really yeah. fast. So you're saying that the constitution doesn't give them authority over regular people, men, but once you claim to be like a citizen, okay, then they then you're they have the authority, right? When you claim to be oh. a, U, a US citizen specifically, yeah, because a US citizen is a second class of citizen. That basically didn't really exist until 1864. But here's my thing about it. I literally didn't write the laws, like you're saying, Bear, and I literally didn't decide I was a citizen, U.S. citizen. And I mean, like, that's the part that bothers me about it. It's like, if if we were just going to use this, sorry, if we're we're just going to go strictly on, and I'm not really saying you're wrong or anything, it's just like, I'm just trying to get to what lots of people are probably thinking about this. It's- if, if I may, Bonnie, uh, if I may kind of prop you up a little bit and say, listen, Bonnie, you're not the one that wrote it. You are the one whose sovereignty was extended, whose power was delegated to write it. In fact, you are the power that generates all those, all those laws and statutes and codes. And guess what? 
And because you did that, they have, they have presumed that you understood and know everything that's in there. So all 3.8 million words in the Internal Revenue Code, they assume that you're the, since you're the power that generated it, they assume that we the people know what's written there. Now, as regards to the word person, that word person is used in many different uh, uh, legal texts and it's defined in many different ways. One of which, under the 1099, uh, under under um, both the 1099s, um, a person, and that's 26 United States Code 6041A, a person is defined to mean any government unit and any agent or instrumentality thereof. Also see 6045, that's section 6045. So when you use the word person inappropriately, for example, on a W-9 form, they figure you understand that you are a government unit or an instrumentality or a unit or, or, a, or instrumental agency thereof. They presume you understand what you write on the paper, even though it's it's far beyond the average uh, man to, to know these things. And that's why I've summed it up in the document that I have, so that you would stay away from using common terms in this syntactic ambiguity, this logical fallacy we call equivocation, to play into their hands. You see what I'm saying? I, I, do, I understand what you're saying, and I, I, for example, one of the things I do, and I, I've had some help with from a guy named Christopher Gronsky on this, is when I work for corporations, so I've worked for some large construction companies in the past, and, 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 and recently I've worked for some <laughs> property management companies, uh, I actually have a modified um, substitute uh, W-9, and then I attach a W-8 to it, which is an affidavit of foreign status. These are IRS documents. And I give them to their accounting department or, you know, whoever is going to pay me. And sometimes they scoff at it and say, what am I supposed to do with this? And I say, well, if you don't know what to do with it, you should probably call the IRS and ask them what to do with it. And it goes through fine. They pay me. Right. And here's the, here's the other thing. I've done contract work as well as a 1099 guy, right? So here's what I write to the HR person. And this is, by the way, this is on page 16 of the book, or 17, rather. Um, I asked them. Um, before I can sign your W nine form, um, I have to on, I have to request that the company disclose the following to me in writing. Number one, is your company performing the functions of a public office? And number two, is your company a government unit, agency, or? We love you so much, Joa. Well, it looks like you're the best, Joa. It looks like we are out of time for this segment, uh, Bear. And I am going to put this on at least the Free Talk Live Twitter because our mastodon is down. More coming up at six zero three two eight three six one six zero. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. 
At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. USA News. I'm Ryan Daniels. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley face off in the final Republican debate before the Iowa caucuses Wednesday night. The debate was hosted by CNN. At the same time, frontrunner Donald Trump held his own town hall event hosted by Fox News not far away in Des Moines. During the televised debate, DeSantis and Haley sparred over a range of topics. Each of the candidates was also asked about what they consider an insurrection to be. At the end of the day, I will always defend and fight the constant for the Constitution. That's what we should do as Americans. I think what happened on January 6th was a terrible day, and I think President Trump will have to answer for it. Haley said it's wrong. Former President Trump cannot concede that he lost the election to President Biden in 2020. This is USA News. Attention. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veterans nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. We still do email. Drop your email address in the entry box at freetalklive.com and you'll be kept in the loop with Free Talk Live. Talk Live. 
Control. And 603-283-6160 is the phone number. That's 603-283-6160. And I would like to thank Anthony Mitchellbrink for being a plant platinum level amplifier and i might have butchered that last name but i really do appreciate you being a platinum level amplifier anthony and what does that mean that means that he went to amps.freetalklive.com that's amps.freetalklive.com and is now helping to amplify or sorry advertise market promote and support free talk live and we really appreciate that so thank you so much to anthony and if you'd like to become an amplifier, you can go to amps, that's A-M-P-S, dot freetalklive.com. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Jay. And Mark. And I'm going to go straight to the calls. We have Alu on the line. Alu, what's on your mind in New Hampshire? Hi. How's it going? Good. Just removing my Bluetooth. Um, there's a bill among all the other bills relating to secession. There's another bill tomorrow being heard in the Criminal Justice Committee in the New Hampshire House of Representatives proposed by our friend we all love, Matt Santanastasso, and it would essentially repeal the red flag law. Um, contrary to popular opinion, nobody knows that New Hampshire actually has some pretty bad red flag gun confiscation. No, we're not the most statist state, but all states besides Kansas. So like 49 states seem to have it, and it's called restraining orders. So in the restraining order statute is a de facto red flag law where there's ex parte, zero due process gun confiscation. So this would kind of reform that and add some due process into that. So that hearing is tomorrow at 930 in the state house, but also you can put in your testimony with either just supporting the bill or you could write whatever blurb you want online at the state house website. Um, so currently the anti-gun people, the pro-red flag law gun confiscation people are outnumbering those who support the bill by like 100 to 3. So I encourage anyone who supports due process or Second Amendment rights or anything like that or liberty or fairness to go and put in their testimony and or go to the state house tomorrow. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for so much for reminding us of that. I'm going to it. I'm going to the 9:30 a.m. secession bill one too, and I'm just going to hop in there. I'll have my little brother with me, actually helping to man the camera, so that's good. And um, I'll be able to hop into the other one because it's a really important bill um, for anyone who doesn't understand what all means by the red flag laws, the restraining order, um, gun rights taking away situation it's really bad it's like new hampshire has pretty good gun laws like maybe the best in the country if not the best i think the best are tied for best and um we still have it to where if somebody's girlfriend is mad at them and accuses them of hitting her or something stupid like that well you'll just get your guns taken away without any due process the cops will come to your house and say well your girlfriend has accused you of hitting you you got to you would just wait for your day in court to get your guns back. We're taking all guns in your house. It's what the judge said. It's crazy. Yep. That's so that's really, really bad. Um so come out and support that. And um a lot of other bills. And you could just follow libertyblock.com because we, we write about all these bills. Um there are a lot of other similar bills in the criminal justice committee and other good bills, some very good ones, some bad ones. Matt Santanastasso and Jason Gerhard posed a bunch of really good ones. Um, so I'll be supporting all those, but hopefully tomorrow we'll all be at the state house 
uh, testifying on a whole bunch of good bills. Now, I got a letter from Mr. Ian Freeman today, and oh. it informed me that this year we could be a little more optimistic about the secession bills, not only because of the um, uh, BLC ruling that you can't kick them out of the House for supporting independence, but also because two of the people on the uh, State Federal Relations Committee that's going to hear this bill, I think, are Tom Mannion and Brandon Finney, two pro-liberty people who I would think are pro-independence. So if two out of 20 are supportive, um, whereas last time um, none of them really supported it, even though a few One of them told me would. personally they would. Yeah. Two, two of them told me personally. Oh, yeah. um, what's her name? The, uh, the I lady can't, who... I can't remember. I had know her face, but I can't remember her name. Well, her husband was the, what's it called, guy? From uh, the, thing, yeah, from you know. the thing in Nevada. Yeah. yeah. I know who yeah. you're talking about. So there's a state rep whose husband went to prison for five years because he was standing with Eamon Bunny, Bundy, right? Wasn't it, Alu? Yep, yep. So so her, her um, she was cool. We spoke for a while after the hearing. She was supportive. So she and I think uh, Bill Marsh or Bill, Bill something, um, I forgot the last name, but one of the other guys in the committee told me he would support it. Um, so at least two of them told me they would vote yes. And they all voted no. But this time we have like Brandon Finney and Tom Mannion, two people who are pretty tough with backbones who support liberty. So hopefully they would receive us a little better. Um, and and I, I think it will be a lot better this time. So hopefully we'll all flood the place tomorrow for the independence bills. And we really don't want there to be a smaller turnout than last time because there's more support for it this time. And I feel like the free staters are really the only ones who are going to stand up and support this bill. And even though a lot of natives really like support independence, Ian and I have went around the state interviewing people we've had hundreds of just regular republicans tell us oh yeah i totally support that and here's my reasons a lot of time it has to do with like oh something something that you know maybe they have different reasons than ian and i but there's tons of support for secession and we want them there to be a large turnout again um to show that to these people who are going to be voting on whether or not to recommend it to the house when the house votes on it and I'm still waiting for. Anyone hold on, is the hold on is is the House voting on secession, or are they voting on a thing that goes on the ballot to allow people to vote on secession? It's the, yeah, it's the Yep, it's gonna it's going to give. So they would be voting to recommend to the House to allow the people to vote on an amendment to the Constitution that would say we, the people of New Hampshire, secede from the Union if the federal government hits $40 trillion of debt. Now, I think this is very interesting. Um, now, I don't I don't support, uh, you know, as a former Granite Stater, if I got to vote on it, I would say, no, secession is not a good idea. But I kind of like the idea of putting this if they hit $40 trillion in deficit. Now, you may have to move it to 45 or 50 By the time this gets on the ballot, they could have blown past that number. But it, either way, Um if if the, if you give an ultimatum, it says to the federal government, hey, you can't create this much debt. Otherwise, you're going to have to deal with this ugly legal ramification. And I think that is a pretty cool idea. So, Alu, correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, if this is a bill that I, I read the text of a little while ago, it says basically to succeed from the United States of America, correct? I think so. Okay. I don't like the wording of that. It, sh- it specifically should include uh, maybe it should be United States of America and United States because they're two separate entities. The United States of America is a federation of sovereign nation states. 
the United States is specifically the District of Columbia territories and possessions. There is Supreme Court ruling that states that, for example, New Hampshire is foreign to the United States, just like New Hampshire is foreign to Vermont. Vermont is a separate nation state within a federation called the United States. I don't know the uh, site for this uh, Supreme Court ruling, but but also with respect to the the federal debt, that money is actually uh, a debt of the United States, not the United States of America. And there's just a lot of, you know, screwing around with wordplay and people don't really understand what things mean. Yeah, so come out to the hearing and propose that. Oh, yeah, that um, could be amended. It, yeah, it says declaring independence from the United States of America in the titles of the bill and stuff, but in the actual bill, it just says United States. So that is interesting. Okay, good. It does say United States. Good, good. Because that, that is, <clears throat> I think, the real way to go about this. And I actually just wrote an email the other night about how I have nine irons in the fire right now. Uh, so I I can't come do it to uh, actually testify tomorrow i was at the state house testifying yesterday um i i am just buried in work and things to do and uh you know i have a a lot of uh court actions going on right now uh but anyways the um uh, you know the thing is is the the there's a corporation called the state of new hampshire that was created i don't know it it was 1889 or something and um that was uh, essentially chartered under the United States Corporation. And, and, and quite simply, I believe the solution to this is dissolving such corporation. And I think another solution to this is people, individuals, just declaring that they are without the United States, so, such as I have done when I got my passport, app, when I did my passport application, and <clears throat> to stop acting, talking, walking, and signing documents stating they're United States citizens unless they declare that they are, you know, a specific United States citizen that's de- defined in a 1950-something court uh, court ruling called uh, the Hooven-Allison case. So if you just looked that up, Hooven-Allison definition of United States. Um, I'm not super prepared to have this uh, discussion now. But, uh, you know, th- there is a lot of alternatives. Uh, this is something that I, uh, you know, should, you know, participate in probably more because I happen to know a lot about it. Christopher Gronsky knows a lot about this stuff. Uh, but the bottom line is the United States is a hostile, um, you know, military invasion, uh, in, that has invaded this land we, we call New Hampshire. Uh, and that's really the bottom line. And, uh, there's no, um, constitutional authority for the United States corporation to do what it's doing, uh, you know, here in New Hampshire, uh, whether it's taxes, whether it's arresting people. And, uh, and we also have, you know, this kind of segues to another thing, um, there's, there's an, an affidavit notice process uh, thing I've been following. Uh, we have actually like 60 or 75 legislators here in New Hampshire that are on board uh, with this thing, uh, this notice process. This notice process uh, is being headed up by a man named David Jose. And if you want to check him out on Twitter, I would recommend people uh, just click on his last Twitter space and just listen to it. Um, they're like four hour long Twitter spaces. If you want to get to the meat of it, just, you know, fast forward like 20 minutes. But, uh, his Twitter handle is at real Dave cares for you. And that's the number four and the letter U at the end. And, um, so, uh, Leah Cushman actually did a, um, uh, you know, has addressed the legislature now 
multiple times on their constitutional authority and telling them not to step outside their constitutional authority. Uh, yesterday, a, a fellow named Andrew Noyce, um, he testified before a committee about the election thing, you know, about, about some election committee, about uh, election machines, and stating that the Constitution does not give him any authority to have digital elect- electronic machines, uh, voting machines, that you know, humans are supposed to count these votes. And so the, the, the voting machines are, you know, they, they, they are not, um, you know, constitutionally sound. There, there's no constitutional authority for them. And essentially the government is, op, is operating outside its constitutional authority. And if anybody wants to see... Const- the federal government doesn't have much in the Constitution about voting. It uh, leaves voting to the state, right? Right. And there's, there's, the state there's, decides that. Right. The, the, what Andrew Noyce test about, testified about yesterday... Uh, it, he's talking about the state constitution. There is no provision within the New Hampshire, the, the, the constitution for New Hampshire state, uh, for there to be electronic voting machines or voting machines. All votes are supposed to be counted by people. And one of the guys, the lawyers, uh, you know, one of the people on this committee answered back with, well, you know, the largest voting district in the country is Derry, New Hampshire, 18,000 votes. He's like, how are we supposed to count those votes, you know, by hand? And, 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 and Andrew Noyce's response was, well, amend the New Hampshire Constitution then if you want to use electronic voting machines. Uh, but, and as we know, the electronic voting machines, now there's, you know, there is, uh, they should be spitting out a receipt for every ballot that goes through it of who is checked off on that ballot. They have a little printer on them. Um, they're made by the same company that make, makes ATM machines, Diebold Corporation and, you know, several others. Uh, so there's no reason that they don't spit out an actual receipt, and that receipt should be, you know, evidence of who you voted for. But they, you know, we know they don't want people counting the votes. Uh, they want machines doing it because, uh, and, and machines that have a proprietary software that nobody can view except for you know the companies that creates uh, those machines. So you know, it's 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 all ripe for corruption right from the beginning. But what I was going to say, uh, if anybody wants to check out, like, for example, there's a notice on my website right now at the top of the page. Uh, that's uh, jnoon.com. If you want to go check out that notice, it is a notice to investigate DCYF. And this is an example of one of these notices that you can fill out. It's a jot form link. And you can, uh, you know, send it. I mean, uh, uh, the committee to investigate the Health and Human Services Committee has gotten hundreds of these notices already. And there is going to be a committee to investigate DCYF happening uh, very soon. Well, within the next com- couple months, we have a few se- uh, organization sessions that we got to uh, attend first. Um, but yeah, uh, things are happening. Uh, there is a uh, good remedy out there. And, you know, Alu, I want to thank you for your, um, uh, your efforts in this. You've been, uh, you know, very consistent on writing about this, telling people about this. And uh, thank you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was uh alu that helped that with the idea for the red flag law or um you know amendment i mean not amendment bill bill there we go not the red yeah, flag yeah. bill but the no, anti-red flag bill there we go yeah interestingly just a heads up because a lot of the people who, who opposed it on their remote testimony online said that they don't support it because ols as written they messed it up big time and it repeals the part um, the part of the law that says if you violate a protective order, cops can take your guns. And that makes sense to a lot more people, whereas what Matt intended to do, and he's going to fix with the amendment tomorrow, hopefully, hmm. is repeal the part that initially 
um, authorizes police to take your guns by bad flag law kind of confiscation when the order is initially approved by a judge. Okay, interesting. Bringing it up, I think it's uh, worth pointing it out that um, if you have been convicted of a felony, New Hampshire is actually one of the worst states in the union for you possessing a weapon. Um, I have a felony conviction, and I've looked into this uh, quite a bit, and they have, at least at one point, and I don't know if this has been recently changed, but it was illegal for me to carry a Billy's, which is a stick, a Dirk, which is an ice pick and um, you know, all kinds that I've seen people get uh, convicted for simply having knives. And this is, you know, I mean, it, it makes it a difficult sell to say that the you know, New Hampshire has the greatest gun laws, except if you've ever run afoul of the government. So uh, 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 a hay hook looks just like an ice pick. I wonder, yeah. Mark, is that why I never got you to stack hay with me? Because you couldn't, couldn't handle <laughs> Seems like a lot hook. of work. <laughs> no, I, I have picked up ice picks in the state of New Hampshire. I'm willing to admit it here on the air. I think Jason Gerhardt has a bill, I believe, this session to improve the ability of um, convicted persons after they serve their time in incarceration and their sentence to get all their civil rights back, including firearms rights. I hope that that's the case. Um, I'd love so to hear more about it. It was because uh, I went in front of, you know, the criminal justice committee and uh, spoke to these folks and, you know, they I, it passed. But then in the dark of night, it somehow got, um, you know, failed somehow. I don't, don't I don't know what happened, but it went from sure. This is a good idea to gone. House Bill 144 and it was already killed by the House on the 4th. Damn it. What because, was that one for? Sorry. Well, because Mark Edge didn't testify in time, Jason's bill was killed. Uh, I don't ago. live. I don't live in the state of New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize. Wow, the House already voted on it. ITL two hundred ninety-seven to sixty-three. You can actually now submit online testimony, and I noticed that you can put your address in, and they have options for outside of New Hampshire. So maybe they won't take your. Uh, what you say is seriously, but you could still put your online submission in from, you know, another state. Okay. Well, I went in and testified in front of the criminal justice committee. Uh, I took the time off of work and went and did it. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate all you guys do. I'm going to run for you guys. Thank you so Bye. much, Alu, for the call. And thank you for the reminder. That that's 930 tomorrow at the legislative office building. I'm going to be there and I'm going to testify at hopefully both of them. I think I don't I don't understand how they're allowed to have two at one time because it's like I hope I'll be able to testify at both. Sounds kind just of sign up for them yeah. uh, at, the, at the committee hearing I was at yesterday. It was like. You know, seven different bills they were hearing in that particular committee. But meeting. they're different rooms. That's the problem. Oh, well, so I hadn't I hadn't dealt with that yet. Yeah, well, hopefully they're not running at the same exact time. That might be you know the issue for you then. They just start at the same time, but I think one's going to have a lot more people in it than the other. So maybe I'll just get lucky. I I don't know. If you don't even know what we're talking about at all in New Hampshire, the way that things work is you have a bill and the bill has been created, but you have to it has to go through a committee first and then the committee votes well they hear testimony and then they vote on whether or not to recommend it to the house then even if they don't recommend it to the house the house could vote on it vote yes on it anyway but they're more likely to listen to the opinion of the committee who heard all the testimony 
And tomorrow, just that first part, the committee um, hearing testimony for multiple really important bills is happening tomorrow. And Alu called in about the one that would repeal some really bad red flag laws um, that take away your gun rights if somebody accuses you of something and gets a restraining order against you. And also one that would let the people vote on a constitutional amendment that would let us vote on whether or not to secede when the United States debt hits $40 trillion. So there's actually another bill I'd like to bring up. Uh, this Tomorrow? is uh, Nope. This oh. bill is on January 18th at 10 a.m. The, the committee will be. Anyways, this is House Bill uh, 10112, so 1012, exempting from criminal penalties certain parenting decisions intended to encourage a child's independence and freedom. Uh, it's having its hearing before the House Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee on Thursday, January 18th at 10 a.m. Anyone wishes to testify may do so by appearing at the hearing legislative office building at 33 North State Street in Concord. The hearing will be held in room 202-204. So they basically open up the room to, you know, two rooms into one. And you can, uh, it, you know, send te- uh, text to the bill. can be read here. There's a, a website uh, I got. But um, this is basically the bill to amend the, the uh, uh, child uh, in, in endangering the welfare of a child uh, would uh, to be charged with that criminally charged with that particular statute uh, would require that the child have actually been injured. And mm-hmm. it also applies some definitions to the like terms uh, or, or it strikes the words that aren't defined uh, in this bill. I believe I might be a little wrong. Endangered, I think, was well, we. When- we used to jump uh, our bikes over this ditch when I was a kid, and it was a it's a big ditch, and we'd build these ramps, elaborate ramps, and if the uh, if the jump didn't kill you, the landing would, right? It was um, you know it was, it was dangerous, and we did it all the time. It was like what I looked forward to after school uh, during and you know when the light would when it was still light out at night, and. I'm just wondering, is my mother a child abuser for having let me do such a thing? Because I never had to go to the hospital, but there were boys there who did. And, um, you know, I certainly got injured because, you know, that's how it was. Um, Would this how would that work with this law? Well, uh, from what I understand, uh, they wouldn't be able to charge you criminally. The thing is, is they're charging parents, uh, caretakers, uncles, grandparents, all over the country with this particular legislation, not only in New Hampshire, it's happening in New Hampshire too, for things like, you know, um, well, in some places they, they've charged uh, uh, the uh, people, uh, parents for, you know, telling their kid, not, not forcing their kids to mask. Um, <clears throat> New York State, I believe. In New York State, they've actually gone after a whole bunch of Amish over allowing kids to do farm chores. In Pennsylvania, they've gone after Amish for allowing kids to do farm chores. Uh, and, you know, what it, what it does is it basically, um, so in, in, in this uh, endangering the welfare of a child bill, there's a, a term called, um, oh, I forget the term off the top of my head, but anyways, the... Uh, it, it would just, there would be no criminal action. Right now, there's basically criminal action for under this statute for something that could hypothetically happen. And what's what's happening with this bill is it's being used all over the country uh, as just another weaponized statute to go after political opponents 
uh, and quite like my wife, uh, you know, with, with our situation, which, you know, she has a jury trial for this, you know, on uh, January 30th uh, in, at Concord Superior Court. The 30th. Okay, I kept thinking it was the 21st. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at teamgaday.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at teamgaday.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. teamgaday.com. teamgaday.com. <laughs> 